0: Hello and welcome to Fats on Film. I am your host, Hannah Ogilvie, and this is the podcast where we discuss all things fat representation in film, TV, and wider media. Apart from this week, (laughs) I'm going rogue. It's that time of year, and I want to talk about an event and a film incredibly close to my heart. I want to talk about Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. A little about me. I love Eurovision. I have for years and years, before it was cool, the simple idea that the whole of Europe and other countries that just happen to fall under the European satellite get together once a year to do a singing contest. That's the toppest of top tier of campness. In 2020, Netflix dropped Eurovision Song Contest, a film starring Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams as Icelandic duo Lars and Sigrid, who form Fire Saga. They have big aspirations to represent their country at Eurovision, however, aren't the most streamlined of performers. Iceland have a better option, played by Demi Lovato, but when tragedy strikes and all of the other potential performers die in a boat explosion, Iceland have no choice but to send Lars and Sigrid. They travel to Edinburgh, Scotland, where Eurovision is being hosted that year and face jealousy and insecurity as they battle through the semi-finals to the grand final where they win the hearts of Europe and the respect of their hometown. So this film is written by Will Ferrell and Andrew Steele, who worked on SNL, directed by David Dobkin, who looks to have done a load of Maroon 5's music videos, Wedding Crashers and Shanghai Nights, so I think you will get the flavour of this guy's filmography, and I mean all the shade when I say that. (laughs) But weirdly we have three Americans at the helm of the ship, and I remember when this was first greenlit and I heard it was attached. I was nervous. Eurovision is quintessentially European. How can Americans who haven't grown up with it understand? But when I was reading up on how this film actually got made, Will Ferrell got interested in Eurovision through his Swedish wife, Vivica Paulin, and we all know how good the Swedish people are at Eurovision. He's attended at least two finals in 2014 and 2018, well, which is two more than I've attended, so I truly believe he is coming from the most genuine point of view. I mentioned I've been into Eurovision since before it was cool and what I mean is I was getting into the contest in the noughties when the UK started on its terrible losing streak more on that later (laughs) and I think the love and admiration for Eurovision really started to die here but the noughties has some absolute bangers like my number one and secret combination both Greece and Ukraine's winner Wild Dances as well as Verka from 2007 absolutely iconic then in 2007 Then in 2009, Alexander Rybik's win for Norway with Fairytale felt like new energy and that was capitalised with Lorene's win for Sweden in 2012 with Euphoria. This is my favourite Eurovision song of all time. If you hear it, you need to drop what you're doing, you need to run to the dance floor and you sing and you dance and you love and you live and I just love it so much. (laughs) I hope you can get the passion. So from there, the quality of the music, the performances, the staging, costume, talent has been on this massive uptick, and songs from the contest aren't just hits in Europe now, but across the world, with socials and TikTok grabbing onto the best ones, just look at Arcade from Denmark in 2019, or Måneskin's meteoric rise since winning for Italy in 2021. So the timing of this film is perfect. It's coming at a time where Eurovision is really popular in the zeitgeist. And it also came the year we didn't have Eurovision because of COVID. And weirdly, 2020 was tipped to be Iceland's year with Dathie Freyre's Think About Things before it got pulled. And the film follows the Iceland act. I just think it's a weird dink. So okay, yeah, we didn't get our fix of Eurohits, Fantastical Costumes and Sarki Graham and Sarkie graham norton commentary but we actually did via this film <laughs> And I think another strength of the film is its music, starting with the introduction to Eurovision via its most famous winner of all time, Abbas Waterloo. We see how these kids in Sigrid and Lars bonded over music and the dream of winning. Then introduced again as adults, they sing Volcano Man, which is this epic Icelandic love song. It gives me Game of Thrones vibes with the costuming and the landscapes but I might be on my own there. We then hear their entry for Iceland is Double Trouble, a banging song and would be a serious contender if this was real life. And then Sigrid has also been writing her own song, an ode to her favourite place on earth, her hometown of Husavik in Iceland, which was nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars that year. There is a scene that cemented this film as one of the best things I've ever seen committed to cinema, and I know that sounds hyperbolic, but I'm being 100% genuine. And that's the song along. Lars and Sigrid have gone to Dan Stevens' Russian, (laughs) Dan Stevens' Russian entry Alexander Lemtov's mansion, that is just such a mouthful, for a pre-Eurovision mixer to meet the other contestants like Greece and the UK. Everybody hates them, so zero points. And we actually did get zero points in 2021, so weirdly, like, can predict the future. (laughs) And in this, we see that the party guests are having a song along, basically like a riff off from Pitch Perfect or something from Glee. And the other guests are previous Eurovision acts. So you have Lorene from Sweden, Conchita Verse from Austria, Alexander Rybeck, Netta, Jamala, as well as others. And it's a real celebration of Eurovision. It's a celebration of this mad TV event. We gather around to watch, cheer, laugh, enjoy. And each Eurovision has a tagline, usually something about peace or love. And 2023's is United by Music. And uh, I know it's gushy, but I love it. Yes, we are. There are also some real deep cuts for fans, like Lars's hamster wheel references Ukraine's 2014 act, Finland's entry in the film is an ode to Finland's winning entry from... I don't even 2006? Oh god, I'm gonna have to check myself... Uh, Lordy. And the fact that it's hosted in the UK was a joke, because usually eurovision is hosted by the winner of the previous year so in this universe of the film that means the uk won in 2019 which we did not (laughs) i actually had to google who we did have that's how memorable it is but again weirdly we are actually hosting this year in 2023 on behalf of ukraine as we came second with sam Ryder to talk about the UK's relationship with Eurovision for just one second. For many, many years, I believe we have been so rude about it. Entering utter shite. Not Blue or Lucy Jones, I love you. But for 20 years, it was shite. I don't even like the Jade Ewan song, it's pandering. But at the same time, We seem so shocked that we don't do well. It's giving entitlement. It's like thinking you'll pass the test because you paid the teacher off, but you haven't done any of the actual revision or the work to pass the test. Last year felt like a real turning point, the Ryder And the whole team behind Eurovision who see this for what it truly is, a celebration, not the mockery which we have been treating it. I know I said this wasn't a normal episode, but just to show I did think of it, there are a couple of fat people in the film. <laughs> so we have the Icelandic head of decision board guy, Yaya Ding Dong guy, and Netta from Israel. But they might have like five lines between them. And I actually quickly Googled, oh, there's a weird whistle that came out there. I actually quickly Googled past Eurovision winners. And since 1956, there have been 69 winners and two people I would deem to be in bigger bodies. Netta from Israel with Toy and I remember the criticism around her body online and maybe Serbia's winner in 2007, Maria Serafovich, I'm so sorry if I've said that name incorrectly. So we absolutely need more fat representation in the contest and the film could be a lot better. Ultimately though I am so so glad that this film exists in the way it does in a fun homage to the event it is base not taking the piss or being overly cynical which I think would have been done if another pair of hands were in charge I am very privileged that I am going to Eurovision semi-final two this year actually by the time you're listening to this episode I will have already been and I think I'm going to cry I'm a crier anyway and I think to be in a room with a community that loves this event as much as me, probably more than me, will be really overwhelming in the best way possible. I haven't listened to all the acts yet as I like to see the staging at semi-finals but there have been some you just can't escape online like Sweden and Austria's acts are heavy on my algorithm at the moment and I cannot wait to watch the final with my usual crew who I forced to get into it at uni and now we don't look back. Eurovision brings people together, united by the music. Thank you so much for indulging me on this little bite-sized episode. I hope you can hear how much I truly love Eurovision. Um, please let me know if you are also a Eurovision fan. You're not. Are you watching this year? Who are you excited for? And you can obviously follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Fats on Film. And myself and I'll probably be posting like semi-final stuff on my personal Instagram and TikTok at Queen Bee Says and then next week we're back to usual, back to usual Fats on Film schedule and we're talking about Bridget Jones's diary so obviously a real big one so I can't wait for you to listen to that next week but in the meantime I hope you have a fantastic Eurovision and stay fat!